I think she thinks it's a finished project. Um, like the, 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 she's like, yeah, no, feminism was great when it did the thing. And now it's making it worse. It's time to let feminism go, you guys. You guys, feminism is in a lot of pain. So we're going to send feminism to a farm upstate. Like, <laughs> oh, so that he can spend more time outside running around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that's, that's really nice. Send it to Canada to have a. <laughs> have a conversation <laughs> do i need to get rid of all my this is what a male feminist looks like t-shirts Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Global Politics Podcast at the end of the end of history, um, now bereft of our evil patron saint. Um, but we carry on nevertheless. This is BungaCast. Uh, hello. Um, so on episode 342, which you may have heard, we talked about family abolition, the history of the idea, what family abolitionism looks like today, and whether it represents an embrace by the left of the atomizing trends present in capitalism today. We did all this through the lens of one of its better known proponents, I guess, Sophie Lewis and her work. So today what we wanted to do is look in the diametric opposite direction, I suppose, at least within kind of the broad tent that is feminism. Um, and that is looking at a book called Feminism versus Progress by Mary Harrington, uh, who's a contributor to the British magazine Unheard. And in the book, she aims to trace the logic of care's defeat by freedom. So she comes out on the side of care as against freedom or autonomy. Um, Harrington is also the author of the Reactionary Feminist Substack. And maybe that tells you um, already a little bit of what the book is about. Um, so we're going to come to the meat of Harrington's idea in just a second. But we wanted to cover her book as it arguably represents something of a turn against the most progressive or liberal versions of feminism today. Um, so it's a real counterpoint to Lewis's analysis. I think it's probably difficult to imagine Mary Wollstonecraft seeing much reactionary in the vindication of the rights of women or Simone de Beauvoir signing up to a reactionary feminism substack. Um, but for Harrington, uh, it's time to ask whether the technological progress from the pill onwards and progressive hyper-individualism that we've seen particularly present in the last 30 years or so hasn't in fact led to women's emancipation, but it's actually worsened conditions for the fairer sex. So anyway, I'm uh, Alex Hochul in Sao Paulo, Brazil, as you already know. I'm here as usual with George Hoare and Philip Cunliffe. And joining us again, I'm delighted to have her back to continue this discussion on, uh, well, on contemporary feminism, Amber Lee Frost. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi there. Thank you for having me. And my, my deepest condolences for your loss. We're, we're grieving. You. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I had sort of pre-grieved because I knew that he was going <laughs> to die, but it was still came as a shock, particularly waking up at like early on Monday morning and then my phone being flooded with messages like, dude, he's actually died now. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I didn't uh, pick up on it except from you guys. We are we're stateside not um, making note of the passing of a great man. And that's why our yeah. empire is in decline. Right. <laughs> And he well, gave, we can all, you know, he yeah. gave so much as well to America, you know, gave you the model for your own great kind of, your own great man. 
Yeah. yeah. Although, I mean, it's it's a mutual exchange because, of course, he brought America to Italy in many ways, um, you know, through the kind of TV programming and style of politics and TV and all the rest of it. So, you know, it's, it's a kind a of lot a mutual uh, exchange. Yeah. He brought a lot of places to Italy. Um, all those uh, collapsing Balkan communist countries that were hemorrhaging uh, people and, <laughs> you know, had also, very attractive yeah. women. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, dude was a real internationalist. Mm. He was, yeah, he had. <laughs> I, I would have sent a bus like a human trafficker and be like, he's a, an internationalist. It's an international exchange. <laughs> sex work is internationalism (laughs) i mean there is that argument it's about fungible borders and penetration of borders get it they love that Mm. one i think they're so smart for that one yeah (laughs) but we have to we have to keep going though it's what he would have wanted uh keep podcasting that's what we could that's what everyone says after after something like this happens no i've got i've got my my armband on um out of you know, just recognition of, of the great man, but will, you know, continue to to do his work, spread his message as much <laughs> as possible. Indeed. Yeah. Um, so let's get uh, let's get cracking. Um, so, I mean, Harrington starts, you know, with a rejection of progress, which um, I guess is kind of resting to read that. Um, but I, I guess I have my doubts about how I don't know how serious she is about it. So we're going to get into that. Um, so she traces actually her own movement from a kind of hyper liberal way of life. So, you know, kind of non-monogamous living in a kind of commune of sorts, gender fluidity, et cetera, to then having a child, becoming a mother and then going, wait, all this progress theology, as she calls it, um, is nonsense. I don't believe in that anymore. So I guess to start off with, let's start off with, with this progress theology idea. What did we make of it? Is she right in critiquing it as a kind of whole collection of, of ideas today. And by, by uh, consequence, if you reject progress theology, are you a reactionary? Does that make you, gotta, you a reactionary? You've got to step one back, Alex. Does becoming a parent make you a reactionary? Well, <laughs> that's a much more that's basic, a point, yeah. a much more basic question. And I think probably at least from, you know, some kind of advantages and hyperliberalism, I think it probably does. Um, you know, just the assumption, the assumption probably is that it does make you um, more conservative. I think it's probably borne out, you know, traditionally, I think, in terms of um, electoral voting, um, at least up until, you know, housing has become unaffordable. But as for the period between the Second World War and the, you know, period when housing was actually affordable, I think you can probably track how people who have kids become more conservative in their voting patterns. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know about something in that. Patterns, but, but yeah, but, I mean, I we're not I'm talking saying, about. I think, I'm not. I'm not. I think that yeah. is the pattern. I might be wrong, but I think that you can you can actually see that. So it's but just I don't, a factual I don't, claim. Yeah, but I don't think it's about like becoming more conservative and and all that. It's it's like you know she is really setting her stall out against progress theology. This hyper liberal idea that everything is progress, that everything, you know, and it and she says it it, it goes beyond the kind of empirical claim that this or that is better than it used to be. It's every you know that liberal idea in the 19th century the the river of history only flows in one direction well now it's uh i'm trying to think of the right way to put it it's gushing forward the river of progress that's not perhaps quite right you know what maybe you know what i'm trying to say but she's she's basically saying like she's taking a a stance against 
I think what is a real um, feature of hyperliberalism today, which is that everything is seen as a movement forward just because it's it's more recent and but so nobody, these, these, the trends the re- are more developed therefore they're more progress the reason i don't the reason i have difficulty with it is because none of its partisans actually believe in progress yeah you know, i mean that's the the tricky part right so i mean in the 19th century liberals did actually believe in progress but if you ask the people that she's attacking if you think things you know like all of these new things are evidence of the tremendous strides forwards that we're making that humanity is making they'd say well no you know what is humanity humanity's like white male cishet whatever humanity is like you know um destroying mother earth or whatever i mean you know so it's hard to square with the fact that the people that she sees as her enemies don't actually believe in progress, you know? I was drawing a lot of like con- like comparisons between her and the people she criticized. And I think she's a really astute critic of a lot of this stuff. Like I have to say two thirds of this book was a banger. And then of course she did the weird thing where she's like, and therefore, uh, you know, Mary Carpenter go homestead. Um, it's like, well, weird, weird turn, but, um, you've got to, you've got to do it. You've got to do it in an English accent, Amber, though. <laughs> and maybe it makes more sense than I do remember like when getting to that part, just as an aside and being like, yeah, bitch, I'd love to, I am a podcaster. Like what, are you, what world are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Show me that carpenter. Show me where are those? Um, just kidding. My boyfriend is a very nice artist (laughs) slash writer um but uh she is equally pessimistic about um or or her the people she is criticizing are equally pessimistic about quote-unquote progress um they also sort of have the same prescription it's very she calls them you know sort of like bio libertarian or whatever but it's pretty libertarian to say, like, it's pretty bio-libertarian. You could say that having a, um, you know, a compound with a, a polygamy compound and uh, with a, a natalist uh, agenda, that's pretty libertarian, too, you know? <laughs> like, mm. uh, that they, they are sort of doing the same thing where that the left does, where they're taking a general trend um, of uh, like social degradation and the erosion of like power and collective power and um, kind of telling themselves and then and then making do with it and then kind of telling themselves that's what they wanted all along. Well, hello, listener. I hope you like what you're hearing. It's a short excerpt from an episode that's available only to subscribers. Want to support BungaCast and get at least two original episodes a month? Sign up at patreon.com slash BungaCast right now. $5 a month patrons get access to exclusive episodes like our in-depth analyses of present history. You know, the big stuff that's happening right now. As well as chats with our regular guests, extended interviews with the key thinkers trying to understand our world today, and much more. For $10 a month, you join the BungaCast Reading Club the place for those of us who are serious about equipping ourselves with the necessary intellectual tools for understanding the world and seeking to change it. Phil, George, and myself, Alex, look forward to seeing you there. Patreon.com slash BungaCast.